I'm Sam Shaheen, and you're listening to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. Hemp has been cultivated for centuries around the world and has been used to make just about everything. Rope, clothing, paper, currency, sails, even the earliest American flags were made from hemp. But in 1937, at the height of reefer madness, the United States effectively banned the cultivation of hemp. Congress lifted the hemp ban just last year, but the industry still faces some outdated stigma. So today, in part four of our What You're Wearing mini-series, I'm talking with Rob Youngman. Rob is one of the pioneers of hemp apparel in the United States and the owner of Youngmaven Apparel. We discuss Rob's history in the hemp textile industry, the many uses for hemp, including building houses and eating it, how hemp differs from cotton in textiles, shooting hemp t-shirts with a shotgun, and much, much more. Here we go. Today, I'm talking with Rob Youngman. Rob, can you tell us a little bit about your background in the hemp industry and how that has led to where you are now? Yeah, hi, Sam. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I started doing the the hemp the, back in 1993, and I was in college at, at Central Washington University when a university uh, environmental studies uh, professor said we could stop cutting down all the trees if we started growing industrial hemp out in eastern Washington, where there was plenty of water and farmland, but and, and not much going on except for maybe hops and well, there's actually quite a bit of growing going on there, but no hemp. And we were watching our forests in Washington State get clear cut back in the 80s, 90s. So that was my aha moment, and that's when I started making rock climbing chalk bags and. I started making what were our version of a camelback. Camelback had just kind of started, and we were making hydration packs to carry to carry water with uh, to go mountain biking. And I called REI up and said, I have something, a uh, product here that can help protect our playground, the wilderness. And they told us to go do the outdoor retailer show, and they'd stop by and, and take a look. So we did. We got into the outdoor retailer show when it was in Reno, Nevada. And that was the uh, winter of 95. Um, and we brought all of our hemp gear there. Um, we didn't uh, we didn't land an REI account, but we did pick up uh, a distributor from Japan, which ended up uh, being incredibly helpful and successful for us. Um, and they were distributing Stussy for the southern island of Kyushu. Um, and that really helped. That company, which was then uh, Manastash, my first brand, uh, to get going in this hemp industry. Uh, since then, I've done a couple other companies, two Jupiters in 2001, and then Young Maven in 2005. And and that's where we're at right now is with Young Maven. We're almost at our 15-year anniversary. Wow. So you were at Outdoor Retailer in 1995 selling hemp products. What what? What was the reception like from the other the other exhibitors about your products? Exhibitors and customers, retailers were, what are you doing? You're selling weed? What the heck is this? But as you told them more about how great hemp is for the environment, they, they got interested. And I remember um, at one point, there was quite a crowd on the, on the perimeter just kind of like scratching their heads. What are they doing? And, and by the way, we had kind of like a tiki hut built 
Um, so we were kind of out of place in a way too. Um, it wasn't a very professional booth, but I remember Patagonia was out in the perimeter too, just checking us out. And I'm really happy. I mean, that was fantastic. They did because the next season they had a, a couple pieces of hemp clothing in their line. And that really helped kind of bring this hemp clothing, uh, genre to the uh to the mainstream in a, in a way and and get rid of some of that stigma but but really if i had a dollar for every time i heard can i smoke this t-shirt i'd probably be retired by now i mean that was the main question like how can you do this this is marijuana clothing can i smoke this t-shirt <laughs> can i smoke this t-shirt sounds like a great slogan i feel like yeah that was that but and, and you know a big part of uh what we were doing back then was education there there were uh there were no hemp clothing brands there was it was really difficult to get hemp uh textiles matter of fact there was no jersey which is our main uh textile that we use right now is uh jersey for t-shirts um there was only a twill and a canvas and i remember some hemp silk uh blend that that really didn't last very long we tried making boxers out of them and they they blew out pretty fast but that's another story um yeah so hemp jersey kind of had its uh was born in 1996 so that was the beginning of hemp t-shirts it was 1996 but that's that's a that's actually a great segue into kind of the next thing i want to talk about which is sort of the misconceptions about hemp. I think that's kind of held it back a lot in the market. Can you talk a little bit about those misconceptions and the battle to get hemp legalized in the US? Well, yeah, when I started when I started doing this, there wasn't a whole lot of information on hemp. You had to really dig. There's a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes, which really kind of spelled it out where hemp was and 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 how much it had done for humanity. Um, every ship that traveled around the world there for um, sails, uh, rope, um, clothing, charts, paper, all that was pretty much hemp. And it was, it was like a default because it just kind of lasted the longest. So hemp was a main uh, uh, product, main textile, main uh, natural resource that, that got humans around the planet for, for thousands of years. And then just, you know, 1937 it became illegal in the united states so you know why is that and i think everybody still doesn't completely understand why i mean when you really research it you start it, it looks as if william randolph hearst um dupont uh the cotton industry um this these large corporations or, or groups um, it, rather than embracing it and, and becoming a competitive um, and becoming becoming competitive in that market and, and using it and utilizing this awesome natural resource that just grows like a weed, obviously it's a weed, um, they, they made it illegal. And what this world would look like if that hadn't happened is a, is a really good question too. We probably would have a lot more of our, our ancient rainforests and forests in general. Um, but that was brainwashed into our minds with yellow journalism, because as you read back in the papers, back in that time, they made, they, they lumped hemp in with, with marijuana and they gave it that word marijuana, um, to scare people. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, I guess, why hemp is so associated with marijuana? 
Well, hemp, it's just uh, similar to, it's part of the same family, hemp and marijuana. It's just like anything, uh, you, you discover like there's a property in this that you can, um, uh, just like potatoes, you can, you can alter it to, that's not quite like that, but you can alter it to make, you know, vodka. Well, if you just keep breeding a plant to have more and more of the THC, then, uh, you'll, you'll have higher percentage of THC for, from a plant. Whereas now if you're growing it for a, a longer, stronger stock for uh, clothing or for paper, or if you need it for CBD, or whatever it is, um, they're discovering all these other opportunities that this plant can can give, um, and now it's being bred for those those properties as well. Um, but again, it's uh, we've it's been brainwashing to us that hemp and marijuana are the same thing, and and they're really they're not. They're completely they're different. Sure. So hemp recently became legal in the U.S. to grow and sell. Um, can you talk a little bit about how how that process has evolved over the years and what finally pushed it over the edge to to get this, this legislation passed? Right. So we've been working towards getting industrial hemp uh, legal in the United States since 1994 when the Hemp Industry Association uh, began. And um, that that's what... Um, that's the group that was formed um, to not only uh, educate people that this is different than marijuana, but also make sure that the hemp that's coming into the United States from Hungary, Romania, Poland, China, France, wherever it might be, was actually really hemp. Back before 1994, 93, um, a lot of these uh, products that they were claiming were hemp were more were really probably jute um, or other um, linens and such, but, um, so what's happened is it's just, it's been a long process. Uh, I mean, it's of education, uh, but it's, you know, many times we've tried to, and I can't tell you how many times it's been close to, uh, or up, uh, to vote on. Um, but on the farm bill in, uh, 2018, um, it was signed and uh, legalized on December 20th, 2018, which means, the DEA, if you're a farmer and you're growing 100 acres of hemp, uh, the DEA, um, they can't come in and, and take your 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 land or and plow your crop under, which it, what had been happening um, in states that had legalized it, but not federally. So with Farm Bill in 2018, that all changed. And that was a, a giant leap forward for that had to happen to make this to make it work. The misconception is now because it was legalized last year that all of a sudden there's going to be this um, that prices and textiles are going to drop, and 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 all of a sudden there's just going to be this massive hemp industry. It takes a long time to get that up and running. Although we are seeing, uh, I think there's fifty-seven thousand acres of hemp that were planted this year, um, oh, wow. compared to seventeen thousand acres last year. So that's a big difference. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a really positive step forward. Um, whether we're going to be doing textiles with industrial hemp or off the bat is a whole nother story. Um, it's probably not the first trick out of the bag because there needs to be a decorrugating and a degumming machine, which is basically stripping it and cleaning it. 
and those on a large massive scale are are going to be a, a pretty big investment um and i'm not sure who's going to do that yeah i heard actually that they they that actually here in colorado we have got a decorrugating machine but i'm not 100 percent. yeah there are a couple of decorrugating machines and that's fantastic the degumming machine will be the most uh, the next step for for textiles um Another thing to add to this is the new tariffs um, are affecting, you know, I'd say I'm not sure exactly what number percentage of hemp that's brought into the country is from from China at the moment. For textiles, it's probably quite high. And um, there's a a 25 percent additional tariff put on those. So we're, you know, we keep getting the question of, you know, are the prices going down? And the, the, the answer is you know, they're going up because we're slapped with a 25% additional tariff and there is no domestic market to protect in that department right now. So we're not, we're not protecting a U.S. farmers that are growing hemp for uh, textiles here in the U.S., but consumers will be paying a higher price or, or companies will be losing more money because, you know, on our, on our invoices, as we're bringing into the United States, there's a, if it's a hundred thousand dollars, now it's a, you know, one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in fabric. Yeah. Um. So, how how has hemp legalization in the U.S. changed the hemp industry, or is changing the hemp industry rather? And specifically with respect to apparel, I know we talked a little bit with prices, but are there other things that you see changes down the line, or maybe how far in the future will we have U.S. grown hemp apparel? I'm not sure how far down the road that is. Um, I pro- it probably depends on if the U.S. government is going to help companies um, such as maybe Levi's or Patagonia, some of these larger companies, um, help them in investing in it. I think that would be a positive step forward. And if that were to happen, that would probably encourage uh, companies like that to do it. Um, what we're seeing is uh, com- dispensaries and um, CBD companies and um, coffee shops and all these different groups that maybe are dabbling with CBD are also looking at um, what they can do to promote it and buying T-shirts from us. So that's that's a that's a positive for us. But I think it's overall in general. I, I wouldn't say the legalization of industrial hemp is the biggest thing i think consumers have shifted in the recent recently in voting with their dollars and they're voting in what they believe in they want to know more about the company um and i and that's kind of what we're seeing more and more of um with uh just the conversations that we're having here but we're getting emails probably every week from some farmer or somebody who's interested in growing industrial hemp and how can they get involved and and this sort of thing so that you know that's noticeably different than it was last year this time so post legalization now are there still hurdles that hemp needs to overcome as far as public perception like do you do you still get farmers coming to be like i'm nervous to grow hemp or like my i you know i'm not able to be able to sell it to suppliers xyz because of the perception or something along those lines you know, that's a, that's a good example. That's kind of where that was the conversation last year. And this year it's like, I'm ready to go. There's so much more optimism behind it, I'd say. And that's, that's, 
Now that's uh, what I'm hearing now is uh, they're ready to go. I've got a hundred acres. I'm ready to do this. Um, you know, how do, you know, who do I talk to? So again, it's a tough one. I always say the, you know, probably some of the best things are these multi-use crops, such as you pull the CBD from it and then, then you can use it for horse bedding or you can use it for, um, hempcrete. Um, maybe those are two, uh, other good options. Um, but I, there's not a whole lot of industry yet set up besides the CBD industry has really helped though. Um, getting farmers growing industrial hemp. Yeah, so you touched on this a bit, but besides apparel and CBD, what are some of the other uses for industrial hemp? Yeah, I mean, plastics, uh, uh, feed for chickens and um, just livestock. That's that's a huge one right there. Um, but probably building houses, building cars, uh a, a large portion of the cars made in uh, European cars, the Citroen, uh, BMW, uh, Mercedes, their dashboards, a large portion of those cars, some of them 20, 30% are made with hemp. Um, it's a lighter, stronger um, than, than the plastics. And at least that's what I've, I've read. I'm not an expert on that, but that's uh, but anything plastic, anything made with oil, um, building houses, uh, structures. One of the largest creators of carbon dioxide that we're, you know, doing as humans is, you know, building things from, you know, growing it to whatever it is that we're going to use to, you know, create something and then moving that, transporting it to a construction site. So if we're offsetting that by even 10, 20%, um, now that's going to be helpful because we do have a CO2, we're challenged by having too much CO2 in the atmosphere at the moment. And if we can look at ways to absorb that and put it back into the earth um, through growing hemp, that could be that could be a plus. That could be a win for us. Sure. Yeah. So um, you you talk about hemp being used for building houses. How how exactly does this plant you grow in the ground turn into a house? Right. So it's just you blend it with hemp um, with concrete. It's called hempcrete, and then they seal it or incorporate lime with it, so mold can't grow in there. Uh, they're building wine warehouses where you'd back an 18-wheeler into uh, large structures with uh, industrial hemp, building hempcrete. And they call them living, breathing homes. Well, they're about a foot, foot and a half wide um, wall. And they're pouring the hempcrete around that structure and building the wall straight up. Um, and they're you know, from what I've heard is you... You have a structure now that needs no heat, no AC. It keeps it a constant, you know, you, I'm not sure, but let's say 50 degrees, 60 degrees uh, from the insulation of the structure. Um, so you're saving money on, on, um, on heat and AC. Uh, and it's a strong, they say they're stronger than, uh, than concrete. So they're lighter, they're stronger, and they're better insula insulated. So. But you could also make coffee cups. You can make, you know, recycling paper. It's extremely helpful for recycling paper. It's a, it's a long fiber. So specifically talking about apparel, um, hemp has been used in apparel for centuries, as far as I know. Um, can you talk a little bit about the history of hemp as a textile? Yeah, if you type in on a search engine, hemp uh, apparel or hemp textiles history, um, you'll... You know, you'll find many articles saying it's the 
longest or oldest uh, textile that humans have used, dating back to, gosh, what is it, 12,000 years ago, I believe. So it's a... Uh, it's been it's been cultivated for textiles for a long time, um, and again, why? It's just something that works. I think. I mean, it's uh, people keep, you know, it sticks around. You wear it. I have t-shirts that I've been wearing for thirteen years that just just unheard of with uh, most other t-shirts. So I can only imagine that you know when you, you know, you know, let's go back a couple hundred years and you had a hemp whatever it is, a hemp uh, pair of pants or, or whatever it might be that because they just lasted a long time, people just wanted, wanted more of that. That was such a hardy, uh, rugged plant. The word canvas is from, um, the word cannabis just as an example. So when you hear the word canvas, you think, you know, strong, rugged, and that's derived from cannabis. So what are some of the physical properties of hemp textiles and how do they compare to other things like, like cotton, for instance? Um, or in other words, what could a consumer expect out of a hemp t-shirt versus a cotton t-shirt? Yeah, I always say it's not, we're not making technical wear here. Um, and it's a very similar to cotton. I mean, what I've noticed on the 100% hemp uh, t-shirts, uh, when they get wet, when you sweat in them, they actually the fiber kind of expands a little bit and gets uh, stiff. Um, so the fabric kind of stays off your skin. Um, so it does breathe well and it, it does dry fast. A lot of our t-shirts, a majority of the the t-shirts that we do sell are blended with cotton. So it's it's more of the properties of a cotton t-shirt just. If you take that 13-year-old T-shirt that I that I mentioned earlier, um, you're looking at almost a 100% hemp T-shirt though, because most of the cotton has been washed out in the in its in your lint filter, so it's uh, you're left with a more of a 100% hemp uh, T-shirt anyways. So it's a very similar to cotton. Um, it's not going to be an incredibly technical product, and we don't try to be, but we we do kind of shine a light on the um, attributes of hemp being incredibly rugged uh, textile, rugged t-shirt that's going to be with you for a long time. And like your favorite pair of jeans, it just get it gets better with, with wear and, and wash and tear. And, but I mean, that's all I've been wearing now for almost what, 20 something years, 20, 26, 27 years. And, you know, I run a mountain bike or, you know, I'm always active and it's all I wear for it. Um, it's, and it just, they, they really do work. It works really well for being active, but it's also just what you want to live in. Um, one of the biggest challenges I think hospitals have is they have made everything out of, uh, you go to any hospital and uh, quite a bit of the, the, uh, the gowns and the, and the sheets and everything. It's mainly because it just lasts longer are made with a little bit of petroleum. Um, they're made with a nylon or a synthetic or, or such. And that just, and, and cotton does too, but it helps bacteria uh, permeate. It helps, uh, it helps it grow. Um, bacteria can grow easily in those and hemp. They say bacteria, um, it, it can't grow in as easily. So, and you know, I notice it. It's like, I can go run in one of my hemp t-shirts, you know, wring it out, 
hang it on a chair and wear it out for dinner that night. As an example, it doesn't stink. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do yeah. that with a cotton t-shirt as an example. So those are, uh, it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing textile in that, in that way. Yeah. So, and if we, you, you just mentioned that, um, most of your, most of the stuff that you guys are making at Young Maven is, um, blended with cotton. Why, why, why do you blend with cotton? What are the benefits of blending hemp with cotton? Yeah. So that's a great, great question. The main reason back in the early nineties, um, was again, going back to tariffs and duties. Um, there was, uh, if it was, a uh, over 55%, uh, non cotton, uh, the, the duties were much lower than if it was, and that was to protect the cotton industry here in the U S I, I would imagine. Um, and that, so they just, everybody that was bringing in hemp into the, into the United States. Um, and you know, we were a really small player back then. We didn't really have much of a, a, a role in, uh, the textiles, what was being made, uh, which is a little different now, but okay. Going back straight up the, uh, the fabric that we brought into the U S um, typically just was 55, 45, uh, 55 hemp, 45 organic cotton by that was all there was available. Uh, in 2012, the hundred percent hemp Jersey came about and it was a, it was a challenging textile to work with. When you're building a, a Jersey fabric, you're looking at about 10,000 needles, uh, building this uh this jersey hemp if you were to like close your eyes and put your finger down a a a, a, a string of, or a yarn of hemp and one of cotton the one of hemp has these kind of bumps in it these slubs they call it and what that does is it breaks needles um and nobody really wanted to work with uh the hemp as a hundred percent because it was just the odds of having more broken needles and having that machine down was going to be longer. Um, but in 2012, they went for it and we embraced it. It was a tricky fabric to work with. Um, there were quite a few holes in it. And what we would do is we would take those uh, shirts that we found holes and we'd send them out to Joshua Tree to our friend called Totally Blown. He had a company and he'd, he'd tack it up to a target and he'd shoot it with a shotgun about 50 yards away and put about another 40 holes in it. And then we sold it for more money. <laughs> Wait, that's amazing. He would take clothes, shoot them with guns and then resell them as like a fashion statement. It, yeah. Wait, yeah. does this still exist? Oh yeah. Totally blown still exists. Uh, they they have <laughs> a Instagram page and all, but you know, it's like you have one hole in it. Oh, that's a big problem. We can't sell it. You got like 40 holes in it all right, now it's a fashion statement, I guess. But, um, <laughs> so, and, and sometimes they'll stitch each hole up with an, a different, uh, color and it, they actually, it looks pretty cool. But the, uh, the, the fabric was tricky to work with. Not only was it, um, had it, it had more holes, but it was squirrely to cut on the cutting table. So it liked to move around and it was just a really tricky fabric. And, you know, that's how it's, to be honest, that's how it's been with hemp since day one, it's like, we're working with ancient machinery, um, that we pretty much exported to China after world war II. Um, that's building most of the hemp that's coming in back into the United States. And, and it's why it's because it's calibrated at a much, uh, more lenient tolerance where the machinery here in the U S is, is much more accurate. 
and that's all changing now that but that's how it was you know fifth ten years ago and on the uh the machines I used back then or have been using to work with hemp um made it so uh they could have these fatter uh yarns that had the slubby um yarns in them and make a make a fabric where the US machinery it couldn't really tolerate the uh the imperfections in the hemp yarn interestingly so that's what we've been working with and and it's but there's all sorts of different things too just the shrinkage and and how how it's been how it's worked with because um our main customers are US and Japan for the most part and it's it in Japan even more so they're very particular about um you know quality control of course and it's sometimes it's incredibly tricky when one bolt of fabric will shrink differently because we make everything and then we then we dye it after it's already made which was more of a survival technique in the beginning because we couldn't hit any any of the minimums uh so we had to buy we had to build like 500 t-shirts and we could dye it up dye them up in let's say five different colors um 100 uh per color but we couldn't do the 500 um so if you dyed it beforehand, you'd have so much, you'd have so much fabric in these different colors and so much we couldn't use. And then maybe a color didn't sell well. So then you'd be stuck with this color that didn't do well. So anyway, so it was more of a survival technique. And then what ended up happening is the a, one or two shirts would be, or not even one or two, but one part of your cut would be, you know, shorter or longer than the back portion of that bolt of fabric. So the beginning might shrink completely differently, like 8% and the back might shrink 12% because of the way they are, the way they're framing the fabric. And these are all things we've just worked through and they're actually still, I mean, these are all challenges that this industry still faces. It's unfortunate too, but it, it's reality. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we're having a five for 100 grab bag, uh, uh, special today at Young Maven because when we find these, we throw them into a bin and then we have like, you know, 5,000 t shirts that we do at a five for 100. And we make sure people get one or two really awesome pieces and maybe one kind of wonky one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's been uh, it's been an amazing response. Uh, today's been our, our, our biggest sales day in our history. So that's kind of fun. Ah, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. And I've, I've actually been wearing, been wearing one of your tees now for pretty much all summer long. And, um, I've been very happy with it actually. And, oh, that's um, awesome to hear, Sam. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, one of my favorite things about it actually is the, uh, the logo, the, 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 the hang tag sewn into it. <laughs> oh, thank, yeah. It literally is like a hang tag. Yeah. yeah I freaking love that. It's, I, I really like the art on it, but the, the, the t-shirt is great. Um, it's uh, it's definitely got a little bit more uh, hardiness to it than I would say your typical pure cotton t-shirt. Um, yeah. But that's not something that I really ever adversely feel on my skin, and it's been it's been holding up really well. And yeah, so far, so far, so good. I'm I'm into it. Good, Whew. good news. <laughs> One of the big things that kind of is the hot button issue when companies talk about making more hemp apparel is the environmental impacts. Um. So compared to other textile crops like cotton, for instance, what are the relative environmental impacts of growing hemp for textile production? You know, things like water, deuce, water usage, dyes, soil health, crop rotations, things like that. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was used as a rotation crop for for a long time. It gives back more to the soil than it takes away, where many crops like the cotton industry or the cotton. I, mean, I One thing I like to do is, or we try to talk positive about everything, but the reality is it uses a lot less pesticides and insecticides than cotton, and it uses a lot less water, and it actually gives more nutrients back to the soil. So whether you're doing cotton or not, we love cotton because we, we use cotton. Um, but it, you know, if you grow cotton, you know, you know, you need a, you need a a rotation crop in there to help bring some nutrients back to the soil. And that's where hemp comes in. And it's one of those crops that just gives back more than it takes away. Um, so in areas such as Southern California, where we're, we have drought challenges, it's a fantastic crop. It also can be grown in every state in this country. Um, so whether you're in Florida or Alaska, um, you can grow hemp, unlike the cotton industry. So areas where maybe you would grow cotton, uh, maybe now you could grow uh, food or something different, uh, or you could grow hemp, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Now, if you want, I always hear, why is your hemp not certified organic? But you have to look at why the organic cotton industry had to become you know, why did they have to do this campaign to be organic cotton? It's because they got a bad rap for all the insecticides and pesticides they use. Now, what would you do if you were to, if you had a hundred acres and you were growing just regular cotton, but you wanted to grow industrial or you wanted to grow organic cotton on it? You have to clean up your soil. So what's one of the crops you would use for that? You'd use hemp. It actually is a phytoremediation crop where they plant around Chernobyl or Fukushima, where they've had a super fun site. It's what they plant to actually pull a lot of the toxic uh, uh, garbage out of the soil, lack of a better word. Did you say phytoremediation? Yeah, phytoremediation. It's on our website, too, of like what it can do with a link. And you can actually look, you know, look up hemp as a phytoremediation plant. But it's a type of plant that actually pulls all the bad stuff out of the soil and converts it into a biomass. And so... Why do we don't have to do this campaign that we're certified organic cotton have a cert because you wouldn't you don't even want it's actually what you use to pull the chemicals that you did throw on your crop for you know cotton or whatever crop you used prior to it that's what you would use to get rid of it um, so it's an awesome crop I mean and again not talking bad about uh, cotton but Man, Texas could do, and Oklahoma, there's a huge cotton circle there in the United States that could really benefit from growing industrial hemp. I mean, because if you talk to the Organic Cotton um, Alliance um, in Lubbock, Texas, they'll tell you, like, when everybody plants, because you have to wait for the rains to stop for X amount of time, then all, the, then all the cotton goes in the ground, and then they throw the chemicals down all at the same time, and then the hospitals are full because everybody's sick. I mean, this stuff is real. People oh. are getting sick. The cotton cowboys are awesome. They're they've done. I mean, this they have an incredible uh, uh, know-how uh, to farm. And but there's other crops that could be incredibly useful and healthy for them and their families in those regions. And it's a shame that we're not taking advantage of it. And I hope it changes. I think it is. But and that's what we're beginning to see right now. Yeah, and it seems like we are sort of right on the cusp of 
kind of a large change, not, and it's not only in agriculture, actually, like for instance, we're seeing this change in, in the meat industry as well with, you know, like impossible foods beyond all these different kind of meat substitutes. And then the idea of, you know, in vitro meat, things like that. I think those are going to change ranching a lot. And I, I, I'm, I guess I'm optimistic that hemp has the ability to kind of um, clean up a bit of our agriculture, not only here in the States, but, but throughout the world. Do you, do you, do you, do you kind of see those, see those same trends or, or am I, am I just making this up? <laughs> oh no. It's like, I couldn't find hemp. The D hold hemp seeds uh, just pretty much came on the market what, about five, six years ago. And that's a perfect combination of omega threes and omega sixes. It's what will help. I mean, if you have one of the other or the other too much, um, it does, it kind of just goes right through you or actually it's not even that good for you if you have too much omega sixes, I believe. But if you have the right combination of omega threes and omega sixes in your body, it acts as a really good defense against cancers and just, it's a really good nutrient, incredible protein for you. Um, so as people, you know, eat it, they're just getting healthier. Um, and, and as it's, you know, feedstock for, for other animals like chickens, if you eat chicken or if you eat cow, um, or pig, whatever, if you're feeding them healthier food, that aren't just jacked up with antibiotics. Um, you're going to be eating healthier food because everybody's like, Oh, I don't take antibiotics. Well, you do when you eat animals that have been, you know, forced to, uh, either consume them or shot up with them. So it's in the food that you eat. And if they're eating healthier food, we're all going to be thinking better. I mean, it's just, I think it all begins at the dinner table. If you're eating healthy, you're just going to make better choices. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we sell some of these uh, adaptogens on our website too. It's like, we hope people like start eating a little bit better. So um, just, just to clarify, are, are you talking about hemp as a, as a food source? Yeah. Hemp is an incredible food source. So yeah, for, for us to consume and, uh, and for uh, livestock to consume. So what, what part of the hemp plant is used as a food source? The seed. Okay. And there are different hemp varietals. So like if, if we're going to plant hemp for food, it's going to be a different hemp varietal than if we're going to plant it for, you know, the fiber for the paper or the textiles or the hemp crete. Is, is, is that more or less correct? Well, no, that is actually where the future is. If you ask me, that is what needs to happen because you can get, you know, unlike so many crops where you only have one, um, uh, money maker off it, you can have two or three off hemp, uh, where first you get the seed, you shake the, sh the seeds off it and you use that for hemp oils or, or CBD. You can use it for, let's say seed CBD stock for, uh, building houses, uh, possibly clothing. And those are the these multi-use uh, multi-use crops of industrial hemp. That's where you know farmers are going to see you know huge gains in profits per acre uh, when they're able to do that. Okay. Right now, they're only utilizing small portions of the plant, which is is you know it's hopefully going to change. The hemp so so the hemp seeds are you know have this kind of oily nature. What I guess what is it what does it taste like? Uh, well, hemp seed is, it has a little bit of a nutty flavor to it. I mean, I don't use the oil as much as I just eat the hemp seeds every day. And they used to come with the shell around them with, now they're de-hauled. So now they're much softer and you still get the nutrients and they're a lot easier to eat. Um, so I here in Washington and Portland and California, they're almost in every grocery store I go, go to Safeway 
I think they're in Safeway. Actually, I'm not really sure, but, but I don't really go to Safeway much. Um, but most of the grocery stores I go to, they have uh, hemp seeds in them now. So we eat them here quite a bit. So yeah, I put them on salads or an oatmeal or yogurt or just easy. It's just to take a big you know, spoonful in the morning and, and go. In terms of apparel, um, obviously with you and Maven, you guys have kind of gone, gone in on the idea of jersey t-shirts, knit t-shirts. Um, but down the line, as hemp textiles become more and more commonplace, what do you see the ideal use for hemp as apparel? Is it, is it knit t-shirts? Is it woven shirts or pants or outerwear, or heavier fabrics? or what, um, What's kind of on your radar for the future of hemp? Got it. You know, okay, just to back it up a little bit, at Manastash in the 90s, we tried to make everything we could out of hemp, from coffee filters to golf bags to skateboards to jackets, pants, socks, uh, shirts, button-down, you name it, we made it. And we also teamed it up quite a bit with, like, the recycled um, uh, polar fleece that was big back then from Dyersburg. Um, when I sold that company, when I stepped away from it and then sold it, um, I was thinking, what – does everybody need, um, how can I get everybody interested in hemp and what would be a great product that, and that was a t-shirt. So the t-shirt to me seemed like the easiest, best, uh, quality product that I could get on everybody's backs to introduce them to how awesome of a, a, a plant this is. So I still feel the hemp t-shirt is one of the best products. Uh, but there are so many others. I mean, I was just talking to one of our fabric suppliers and, you know, he was telling me that one of his largest customers, uh, they're doing, uh, uh, diapers. Um, they're using the okay. textile for just baby diapers and they pick them up and it's just a, a process of, of that. Uh, but you know, socks are awesome too. They make incredible socks, uh, antimicrobial, um, socks. Fantastic. Right. Um, so there's a lot of different, I mean, I'd like to see hemp teamed up with wool, to be honest. That's something that I think has legs. I don't know. I've never I've never played with it yet. I've never seen really any uh, uh, textiles that have been blended, uh, hemp wool blend yet. I think there there might be something there. Um, the hemp, the 100% hemp uh, t-shirts are one of my favorites I always use. Uh, the price is quite high, so I hope that price comes down as time, as we you know, uh, buy more and more of the fabric, but they're really for, for textiles. I mean, I wouldn't try to, I think the future isn't like trying to make technical fabrics out of it, but making lifestyle products, stuff that you want to live in stuff that you want to like be at work in, or, you know, on a Saturday or what you do after you climb a mountain. I mean, climbing a nice, uh, you know, four or five mile hike, awesome hemp, or even, an eight mile hike is great. Hemp is fantastic. But if you're getting into some intense conditions, um, it's, pro it's not what you're going to, you're, you're not going to want to make hemp outerwear jackets. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, we, we see all these different kinds of blends, but you know, we don't have, I mean, it's not, not to my knowledge that hemp wool, for example, or cotton wool, or, you know, there's just like, there's certain, certain blends that we see and certain blends that we don't see. Um, but I, I, I hope as hemp gets a little more, uh, a little more mainstream that we see that, that we see it, it blended more because I think it, 
at least in in my experience now, I've been wearing your guys' t-shirt. I have a few Patagonia hemp pieces. Um, and I've been just kind of really happy with them. I also have a, a, a Toad & Co shirt that's made of hemp that's like incredibly soft. The hand is amazing. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. American Ingenuity on this uh, is going to really help push uh, new new blends and, and uh, n- yeah, new fabrics, I think, um, in the upcoming years. So it's pretty exciting that so many different companies are getting into it. Our whole Hemp 2020 campaign was really based around like, it seemed absurd. We did this in 2010. Everyone in the hemp t-shirt by 2020. I mean, it's right around the corner, obviously. But our main thing was to get hemp legal by 2020, which happened. So that's a big win. But also, we it wasn't everybody in a young Maven hemp t-shirt. It's just everybody wearing hemp, everybody more knowledgeable. When you hear the word t-shirt, you don't just think cotton. You think there's, oh, there's other you know, options out there. And that's that's kind of what we were, that is what we were going for with it. And we see so many more companies working with hemp now, and and that and that is what we, you know, we're hoping for. So that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, no, it's great to see, and I, I, I'm happy to see it too. I, uh, I am a bit of an apparel nerd, so whenever whenever there's something new and exciting out there, I'm I'm, I'm going to be the first to check it out. So I've had great great fun checking out hemp in the last few years, and I'm looking forward to see where it goes in the future. But uh, I want to thank you, Rob, for coming on the podcast. I think this was great, and uh, I, I hope our listeners learned as much as I did. And uh, thank you for lending your expertise to our podcast. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for the opportunity. It was really fun. Absolutely. Have a good one, Rob. All right. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Gear 30. Thanks to Rob for the conversation, Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. If you're interested in hearing parts one, two, and three of this mini-series, follow the link in the show notes for our conversation about synthetics, wool, and down. And if you're enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your gearhead friends. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again next week.